and that is recording yes yes it is awesome yay so hi friends um today we have nick which i'm super excited to talk to he's an educator and an advocate for healthy relationships more specifically secure attachment he has a page on instagram where you talk all about literally secure attachment and i know at least for me it's been super helpful and i've learned a lot from it so i thought my listeners would love it as well um so to really get started i think it's easiest to start from the beginning so what are the attachment styles what is attachment just like your your idea your opinion of all that cool first of all thank you for having me i'm uh, very happy to be here i love always talking about this something that is always good to bring awareness on because not a lot of people are aware that these things play out and they pretty much control your behavior in relationships so <laughs> attachment styles best way to explain this is when you we were cavemen back in the days when we, we were becoming human the human beings we are today mm -hmm. we associated the ability to attach to other people with survival because if a puma is mm -hmm. attacking you it's way more likely that you're going to survive with 10 other people around you than if you're alone yeah. so the association that we had with everybody else became it became a, a the, the approval and the ability for us to connect with people was literally tied down to how we can survive that that impacted us a couple of and so a couple I, I guess there's two biggest big theories from what i understand in this is that there's one that explains more in the genetic standpoint there's a couple um people uh, there's people that have certain genetic probability of having certain attachment style and then really? the conditioning that they have in their childhood kind of brings that out and there's another theory that kind of just says that conditioning does it all but we're kind of in the blank slate that's a debate that's always going to be present at least so far in human history we don't know mm -hmm. if we're or not um i tend to think that the, gen the genetic does have a, a play in it i think that we do have the genetic um, um what is it tendency to do have a more attachment style or another four different ones that are usually i, I like to they're not, not really in a quadrant i like to explain them in a spectrum going mm -hmm. from as most anxious to most avoidant anxious preoccupied fearful avoidant which is disorganized attachment style the dismissive avoidance <laughs> and uh, the secure attachment so one end of the spectrum you have the anxious the other end of the spectrum you have the dismissive and the other one's kind of flip-flop in between secure being right in the middle and the fearful avoidant is actually funny because it's the opposite of the secure it kind of flip-flops from both mm -hmm. all anxious or all avoidant and never in the middle obviously the middle is where you want to be that's where you're most balanced that's where you have the most emotional regulation the most emotional uh, it's uh, literacy that's when you understand people the most and that's ideally where you want to be is right here as an imbalance right anxious yeah. preoccupied people are always at the very end of the spectrum and then dismissive avoidance are on the very independent end of the spectrum that's pretty much how attachment theory was created and formed and understood to this day interesting i like that you do a spectrum versus like categorizing them yeah. and se separating all of them because i think through a lot of people we find ourselves not one or the other but we have tendency to in the yep. them. Like sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm being super secure right now. Like this is, I'm, I'm being healthy. I'm so proud of them. There's other times where I'm like, anxious attachment. I need love. I need affection. <laughs> like, I'm yeah. all the way over there. So I think it's cool that like there is a spectrum and it's not like one or the other. It's not very black and white. There is and a lot the, of um, the idea of the spectrum is actually what created the disorganized attachment style. Because up until I think it was late 2000s, they didn't really recognize that this organizes an actual attachment style because they don't have an attachment strategy. So they kind of just like flip flop from both. And if you think of them in like little boxes as in behavioral 
like if you're if you categorize these attachment styles into boxes, the fearful avoidant mm -hmm. doesn't exist because it doesn't belong anywhere. Right. Yeah, so yeah. the view of the spectrum is very important to understand, specifically if you are part of the fearful avoidant. Oh yeah, for sure. I love that though. I love the spectrum. Um, oh, yeah. and I love that we keep growing too. Like it's not like we're staying stuck in the mindset of 1900 findings psychologically, like we're still evolving. But I obviously want to ask you what brought you into this world of learning about attachment styles. So what was your journey like getting to this place and what was your moment of like I need to do a deep dive into this topic? Yeah, so this is a, a very interesting story because, and I always say this, that humans, we are, we're people that are, we're, we're species that are difficult to learn things. And we learn things, we're most motivated to learn and change when we're trying to avoid pain. Mm -hmm. um, so that's usually what brings people into the awareness of attachment theory. It's a painful experience uh, more often than not with a romantic relationship. So I actually, I, I'm 21 years old now. <laughs> I started mm -hmm. dating when I was 13 years old. Mm -hmm. um, I had, just, yeah, I know. I had just moved <laughs> to America and um, I it was in eighth grade, middle school. And uh, it was a very long relationship for that time period that we stayed together for two and a half years for wow. from eighth grade until the end of or the beginning of junior year of high school. Damn. Yeah, wow. I know, right? And um, I remember that that first we we got together it was like Aprilish. It was the um, it was right before summer, right before the school year ended. And I remember that that summer there were a couple of like birthday parties, uh, whatever pool party things that people mm -hmm. like in middle school it's just like playing around with toys and stuff like that it's with pizza it's pretty fun yeah um and i remember that she, um i always heard about like the the annoying boyfriend that didn't let his girlfriend do what she wanted so i was like okay i'm not gonna do that i think i want to be a cool guy let her do her, what she wants mm. so she she told me oh, i think i have a birthday party to go to this weekend it's my friend her birthday i'm like okay it's in the pool i'm like oh cool go ahead do, do whatever whatever you want she goes starts posting a couple things on snapchat about the party the moment I see her story, my heart goes to my stomach. Oh. I, I feel like my 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 hands and my feet get cold and numb. My oh. chest gets warm, my belly gets warm, and I start in, like panic. So I'm all here, like, what's going on? Like, this, I, I got really, really jealous and really emotional. I was like, this is crazy. I can't believe this is happening. And that was probably my first experience with, uh, with a like almost like a panic attack, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and that was my attachment system being activated. I'm sorry. That was my attachment system being activated. Um, basically, what was happening at that point is that my brain was thinking that because she is meeting the needs of other people and having fun with them in the party, she wasn't mm -hmm. going to be available to meet my needs. And mm. so I go on met, meaning I will die, meaning the puma was going to eat me. Yes. So that's that was the first very first experience of like there is something wrong here. That entire relationship was like a conglomerate of trauma. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, I was literally like out of living out of survival at that point, like for oh. the whole two years. And it was really painful. It was awful. It was terrible. Oh, so eventually it came to an end. Um, not in a great way. Um, not not very not a very proud moment of my life. But that wasn't even when I started learning about that. I just at that point I knew there was something wrong. So I tried to stay away from relationships as much as I could for a good like mm -hmm. two years. Uh just because I didn't know where to start or if there was even a name for it. I just thought there was something wrong with me, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I had another girlfriend from uh, 18 to now, just so till summer, uh, which was again very crazy and turmoilish. Um, we mm -hmm. were on this whole time, like multiple times. Oh yeah. 
And uh, this is the one that actually pushed me to say like, okay, there's something going on here. Let me, and this is when obviously I had a lot more maturity in terms of, I know I can, where I can go to find answers to my problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I started mm-hmm. like literally Googling, why am I feeling this way? Why mm-hmm. when my partner does this, I feel this. And it's like, pull on a thread, you start getting the oh, yeah. yeah. And so then uh, this was, uh, this was right after COVID. This was summer 2020. Um, I finally learned that attachment theory was a thing, what it was, what I just explained, you know, right now. Yeah. Um, and then I learned that I was an anxiously attached person and pretty anxiously attached person, probably from going up in a codependent household. Mm-hmm. Uh, you inherit your parents' emotional processing. Yeah. If they don't have good enough, good enough emotional processing, you also won't have good enough emotional processing. Yeah. And so... Uh, the book that introduced me to it, which I do recommend reading this book, but I don't think it's complete enough because it's a little bit outdated already, but it's attached. That's usually the, the book that a lot of people read. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, to, go by that. <laughs> and uh, it was great. It didn't give me all the answers, but it gave me a good solid base as to why I was feeling what, what I was feeling and yeah. where I should start um, healing. And mm-hmm. that was the beginning of the journey of healing it was only in 2020 after four years of the first relationship. Damn. Well, I commend you for that. That's awesome that you even decided to look inward and think, what what is going on? What is actually going on? What's the root of the problem? And one of my favorite things about all of this is that you are like self-educated, like you put yourself out there and you tried to learn all of it. And something that I thought about like a few days ago, literally envisioning this interview was there's so many people that have like knowledge, like they went out and they went to school and they did the every, like they, they check the boxes, you know? Um, so they have a lot of knowledge, but when you experience something and you understand it deeply, you have like this different level of like wisdom where you can apply it. You know, it's not like a doctor going to school and telling you all the things they have to do, but they don't, they don't live by that because they, they're not experiencing it. Yeah. It's like, I love hearing from you how all of this impacted you and just hearing all the wisdom that you have because that is so much more impactful to me anyway rather than you know hearing it from a textbook and hearing that this is this and this is that but like feeling that like you you went it's through real. it to get no, it's, here. it's real yeah, yeah. It actually yeah. it's not like in a textbook it's not words in a textbook yeah so i love that and i commend you for that i just got the notification for our interview oops um so would you classify yourself now more towards securely attached i know you were you said you were anxious so where do you think you fall right now on the spectrum or are you still kind of like wishy-washy so the way that um the way that you would ideally classify where you are on the spectrum is the um, the amount of core wounds that you have and how much they impact your life Mm. So, and we'll, we'll get to core wounds later, what they mean and what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, the more the amount, the more core wounds you heal, to the degree that they are rebalanced in your neurochemistry, the chemicals that you release in your brain when you get activated, is the mm-hmm. amount that you're gonna heal. So I'd say, like, and you, you know, you know what the Pareto's principle is? I don't. So I that that pretty much states that eighty uh, percent of or twenty percent of the gains come from eighty percent of the work. And oh, okay. I've yeah. seen I've seen that a lot, but I guess I didn't know like the proper name so, for it. 80% of my healing happened in 20% of the time. So mm-hmm. I'd say I'm pretty I'm pretty balanced in terms of the secure, in terms of almost being fully secure. It's yeah. just that, that last 20% is gonna be done in the last 80% of my healing journey. Mm. You know I mean, so it's like that little bit yeah. extra inch to become fully secure is the hardest to come by. 
Yes. You know? Oh, yeah. Well, the, the more core wounds yeah. you have, and the the more the less the, the more you are polarized in the spectrum, the easier it is for you to bring yourself to a more balanced mm -hmm. place. But once you get there, that becomes harder. Yeah. I'd say I'm a, I'm a good like seventy to eighty percent, you know, secure mm -hmm. right now. I love that. Um, yeah. Something I was thinking about was once you once you enter the world of like healing or learning about a topic, whether it's related to yourself or external, it's like once you actually are genuinely interested in it, you start opening all these doors and you think like, oh, I know what attachment theory is. And then you open the door and you're like, shit, there's four. And then you keep going. And there's just so many layers and layers and layers. Yep. So even when you think like, oh, I'm anxiously attached when my partner goes to parties, but everything else I'm fine with. And then you're introduced to a whole new world of your partner going on vacation with, you know, even their family and feeling insecure. And then you're like, shit, there's another layer I have to heal. So to me, I just envision it as like walking into a door of healing and then the doors just keep going and going oh, yeah. and going. And you're just opening like, new. You learn attachment theory and I don't know where I'm learning about re subconscious reprogramming. And yeah, it's like, yeah. How did I get here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Um, and I, I know you talked about your your family a little bit and like the codependency in your household. So if you're comfortable, I would love to hear more about that because I think so much of our romantic styles, whether it's attachment or just like how we love, comes from you know what we've seen and what we've experienced and the place that we held in our parents' lives. So I would love to hear about just like how all of that impacted your attachment style yeah so i think uh, obviously being a, a guy um i you always mirror your uh emotion you tend to mirror your emotional processing more in your dad than your mom just because he tends to be your first and only role model in between the ages of one and five mm -hmm. and so i know now analyzing my parents behavior that my dad is very anxiously attached to us to his family mm. and so i learned that the people that I, I what I'm my theories is is that I learned that the way to love people is to be anxiously attached to them, just mm -hmm. like he is. And so the people that I end up loving end up I end up being anxiously attached to them. And this is interesting because I actually have a dismissive avoidant relationship with my parents, which is very interesting. interesting. Yeah. Okay. That's be, that's and that's that that makes sense because they, they polarize each other. So usually, an an anxiously attached person is going to be attracted to a more avoidant individual, and vice versa, because yes. they yeah sound, sound, sound familiar. <laughs> You're looking at me. <laughs> because and that's because they complement each other's subconscious comfort zones. So mm -hmm. you the way you're attracted to someone is you admire certain traits in them that you repress yourself. <laughs> yeah. <Ooh. laughs> I know, right? And is this so, an where is this therapy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and so, by you, but because of that reason, they tend to love each other and they tend to polarize each other even more. So, by my my dad having an anxious relationship with us, I became very dismissive, avoidant with them. Does mm. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so, I think that's pretty much what created my that. Obviously, being anxiously attached to your family creates more of a codependent relationship with your family because. Um, you would think that they would do things for you to be happy as opposed to themselves to be happy. It's like a, it's 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 very overgiving of yourself. It's not really authentic to who you are. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I think that uh, that accustomed me to not only having an anxiously attached um, an anxious attachment to the people that I love, but also operating from a place of being okay with too much of myself to make make sure that person loves me, and also meeting my needs through that person. Wow. Yeah. That was really good. And that made me think 
obviously about my life. Um, I think it, I think it's interesting when someone is dependent on you, especially like a parent for like maybe their happiness or their feelings in general. Yeah. Um, which is it's a beautiful thing to be loved for and, and cared so deeply for, but it does add a little bit of like guilt or pressure or just like that. Oh, I don't even want to say burden because it, it's that's like painful, but sometimes it can feel like a lot, a lot like you need yeah. to show up so much. You have to be this specific version because you know that someone else's happiness depends on you so heavily. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. So, and you know, it's, it's tough juggling yeah. that because it's even in your adult life, it, obviously like it's hard to present this information to someone that has been living like that for so long. And mm -hmm. um, I don't think he even realizes that that's a thing anymore. And obviously he's well into his sixties now. So um, it's, it's hard still having to juggle that in your adult life with the person that has, you know, that, that parent to kid dynamic at some mm -hmm. time hard to balance especially in the phase of life that i am now because i'm transitioning from the point of um what is it having a master server relationship with your parents to more of a balance mm -hmm. where you're both in an equal playing field and yeah I, he's having a hard time adjusting with that specifically my dad my mom is way more secure and way more okay and she already understands that way more my dad's still mm -hmm. thinking a little bit of time and that's my my opinion partially because of the uh, the anxious attachment to to us wow you're so good you're so Thank good you. i love all <laughs> um so what have you learned both good and maybe maybe not so good from each of your parents um when it comes to romantic relationships even if it's not like attachment style um like what have what have they taught you maybe what to do and maybe what not to do just by observing them yeah um i think my dad for my dad mostly is that he's very hardworking and he will do whatever it takes to get the job done I think that's a very mm -hmm. good trait specifically for uh for a man to have in a relationship because i think in my opinion the man should always be able to provide what he, his family needs no matter the mm -hmm. circumstance he should have the ability to work more or less uh, no matter what, what the situation requires of him right mm -hmm. um and from my mom i'd say what i learned is that she's very happy alone she's very happy being independent mm -hmm. doesn't have a lot of friends but she despite that fact she tends to do whatever she wants whenever she wants. I think that's great. Mm -hmm. She has a very negative view of relationships. Um, she mm. is very likely to think that they're going to fail. Uh, but mm. that's that's because of her own past and because of her own what she has lived through before. Mm -hmm. um, right now, she's at a very secure point. She just tends my mom is very distrusting. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. I try not to bring too much into that because I think I always try to come from a position of innocent until proven guilty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, I think it's more fair than, than the opposite. Um, and then for my dad, obviously, what I don't like is the the codependent, um, yeah, codependent tendencies. Yeah, that yeah. also, by the way, come from mostly his side of the family. I've noticed it's mm -hmm. his his siblings are the same way. My grandma is the same way when with my grandpa. So, yeah, it's such an interesting uh, experience to be an adult and then analyze your parents and kind of dissect their childhood a little bit and be like, oh, that's why you do this, this, and this, because grandma and grandpa did this, this, and this. Yep. And you just start to understand why they are the way they are and just understanding their family dynamic because we are their family, but they also grew up around a whole different family. They had an entirely different experience. Um, so I think it's kind of fun in a way. Oh um, yeah. And I think there comes a point of just like a little bit of detachment you know, like, 
like your mother being distrusting. I think uh, I've definitely been raised of having the mindset of you don't trust anyone. You got to do everything for yourself. The only one that's going to have your back is you. And just recognizing, okay, that's your experience. That's your projection. That's that's you trying to to help me. And I respect that and thank you. But I am an adult and I'm allowed to form my own opinion now. Just yeah. like taking a second to step back and detach from, okay, that's that's your thought because of your experiences. And I I honor that. I see that. I respect it. But not allowing it to come into my bubble. Yeah. That's your bubble. And it could stay there. And you could tell me not to trust anyone ever in my life, but I have my bubble and I'm an adult now and I can decide for myself. Have you, um, have you heard of the reticular activating system? No, no, it's a, it's the long name for RAS. It's pretty much the, um, the lenses through which our brains process the world, the, the world based on mm. our experience. Mm -hmm. So our brain's always trying to make associations in between what's happening now and what has happened in the past. Because again, survival, the more you know mm -hmm. what's coming, the more you know what's predictable, the higher the chances of you surviving. By the way, this is why humans are afraid of the dark, because you can't see what's coming. Oh, yeah. shit. Yeah. I like that little um, fun fact. Yeah. And so um, by just by you knowing this, it's that, that already changes your whole perspective on it because mm -hmm. it's like someone else's experience me not necessarily. And by the way, probably will not be the same as yours just because yeah. their activating system is based off of their programming, with their genetics, with their childhood, with their parents, not yours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, why other thing. people um, don't love you the same. Uh, people people yeah. show, ex express and receive love in very different ways and love doesn't always look the same. That's why I hate when I say, when people tell me, Oh, she didn't really love you, or he didn't really love you, or your boyfriend never really loved you. It's like, how would you know? They're yeah. not expecting the love that they can give and, and receive. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's hard to put that judgment lens on and say what's best for someone else or who yeah. Yeah. That's like a whole rabbit hole. Um I don't know where I was. I had a question and I don't know where it went. If it comes back to me, then I will ask you again. Okay. All right. But, Sorry, um, I didn't put you off. No, no, it's okay. No, I like I like the the little the little rants they're full of passion i like feel your your energy from here and i love it <laughs> um but i wanted to ask what practices that you implement daily if you implement any at all to kind of keep you on track because at least from my experience i know that once i start to commit to healing something i'm like full on go like i need to implement this into my everyday life or i'm going to maybe slip back into some bad habits like when I decided to try to combat trust issues, it was like every chance I get, I need to work on this, which slightly, slightly unhealthy, which is okay. I recognize it. Um, but yeah, what do you have any practices that you do or any tips for people in reaching secure attachment? Oh yeah. So um, also uh, just so you know, whenever um, you do, uh, whenever you have that mentality of all or nothing, that's usually mm -hmm. an indication of more trauma than not. Yeah, uh, black, you know, black and white behavior is it's 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 an illusion. Is that a word? Illusion. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So, uh, a, so that's the <laughs> yeah, that's the mentality that we don't want to have when we go into attachment theory. It's mm -hmm. it's because that's again, and that's very hard to do because your subconscious strategy is literally to go all or nothing on everything. Yeah, um, it's it so, literally is a trauma response because I'm sorry to cut you off because I, I do recognize in me feeling like if I don't fix this right now and if I'm not the best I can be right now, I'm going to be left. And I recognize that that's like a trauma response and being 
being in a relationship where someone's like, okay, you're safe. I'm yeah. not going to leave you if you mess up next time. I know you're working on it. It's very helpful, but at least for me, I'm like, if I don't change right now, I'm going to be left because I'm not going to be up to their standard. And listen, if that, makes you, quick, think that makes you get the work done, leverage it. Like, I'd rather you do that and get the work done, leverage on it and get the work done than, than the opposite, which is do nothing about it. Like yeah. in the beginning, that's obviously, that's better than not, you know? It's just that you always want to try to be bring yourself back to a place of center as much as you can because mm -hmm. that's, that has, it's, that's when you integrate it into your life. Yeah. And that's, yeah. It's just like going to the gym. It's like, are you going to go to the gym seven days a week or in, in, for like two weeks and then never go again? Or do you rather space those seven sessions out into three months? Mm -hmm. Obviously, the three month option is a lot better, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And but so, in that situation, um, I've also gone too hard in that way too. <laughs> Correct. a theme in my life but enough about that let's yeah. let's let's hear about your fun stuff not my trauma <laughs> cool. so um when i started i also made the same mistake i was going through one of the breakups with my re very recent ex-girlfriend and i was like okay well i have all this sorry for the word this shit that i don't want to deal with mm -hmm. uh, that i probably have to fix um and then well let's do as much as i can with the time that i have right now and so i um i actually enrolled in a course online by probably the person that has taught me the most, that has changed my life the most um, with attachment theory. Her name is Thais Gibson. She is the owner of a, um, a course online and a YouTube channel called Personal Development School. Probably the best source of information for attachment theory, emotional healing, parenting, relationships out there ever. She has broken down everything that I that has happened to me it's like she was talking to me without knowing who i was she broke wow. it down specifically everything that happened i was like you know what you're doing yeah going to school i uh i did a couple of the courses i in the first three months i did like four courses mm -hmm. uh, and i was like okay i'm going too crazy with this and i started getting like i was starting getting a little bit crazy with it uh-huh that's when i like that's when i thought okay i'm this is a trauma response i need to like integrate this into my life mm -hmm. so now i just for since then this was about a year and a half ago I just kind of try to space out as many uh, courses as I can. And I go through her courses. Some examples are uh, courses about boundary setting, some courses about meeting your own needs, courses about how to uh, heal from uh, a codependent household. Mm -hmm. Shadow work is the one that I'm doing right now, which is very interesting. Love shadow work so far. Mm -hmm. So um, it's just like, I, I for me, for daily practices, it's not, I, I wouldn't necessarily call it daily, but they're very reoccurring, at least mm -hmm. two to three times a week. I sit down, go over her videos, do her notebook. Um, and a lot of people, I, I like to talk about this too, because a lot of people think that when they hear do the work, they think you have to sit in the mountain with, you know, a, a haze and, 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 and meditate and have a conversation with God in your in your mind. It's like sitting, doing the work is literally sitting down, sit your butt down in the chair, pick up a pen yeah. or a computer and write down the prompts that are given to you. Yeah, That's you literally do the work. <laughs> it's like a schoolwork. You literally yeah. sit down. And answer questions. And yeah, that's that's the that's that's literally how you heal from any emotional trauma ever. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason for that is because when you write stuff down, it helps you process. It mm -hmm. makes you process information faster and, and yeah. better. And so, which by the way is probably why you should do it writing in your hand, not necessarily typing. Mm -hmm. um, hand is a lot better. Um, and so I do that very, every, you know, every so often. I uh, I'm a night owl. I like staying up till late. So we mm -hmm. catch, yeah, you know. Catch this 21 year old, 190 pound kid and sitting in his room, bawling his eyes out at three Aww. in the morning on a weekly basis, trying Aww. to figure out life. <laughs> but that's healing. Um. Yeah, that, that's what it's, and you know, do that for long enough and 
it comes at you quick the changes man i'll tell you that yeah. like whoa yeah. i'm happy that i'm able to integrate this into my life now mm -hmm. i'm so happy you talked about the journaling stuff and talking about doing it by hand because i feel the same way i'm it's like disgusting the amount of journals i have like maybe a little yeah. too many because i i like to section them all out for different things because i don't like to i'm like weird and whatever i'm like i don't want to mix the energy of like my negative thoughts with my gratitude journal um so i always <laughs> have them differently <laughs> which is silly but whatever um but i love that you talked about like literally writing it out i think there is the the brain and hand connection when you're like writing something out and i think you pour so much of yourself onto like a notebook and onto a paper versus sitting there and like, huh, what do I write? Because sometimes if you take your mind out of the equation and you just let your hand go and start writing, there's so much that you're going to learn about yourself, about a situation that you didn't even yeah. think about. Because the second you like take a second to let your mind pass by, let the thoughts go and you're just there with your journal, you're gonna learn so much. So I love that you talked about like yeah. using a real old school <laughs> journal, pen to yeah, paper. The, you're uh, you obviously you write slower than you think. So yeah. it forces when you're writing, it forces you to slow down your thoughts, you slow down the emotional imprint that comes with your thoughts, mm -hmm. understand them, process them, put them into words, which is huge, yeah. so you can write it down. Yeah. Words communication is how we that's how we expose to the world what we what is inside our head, what's mm -hmm. inside our heart, right? Yeah. And so being able to effectively know what's going on and be able to put it into words to tell other people, that's gonna make that's what's gonna build your relationships, that's what's gonna make you money, that's what's gonna get you that job. It's it literally creates everything in your life. Yeah. And by you journaling, that's that you practice that over and over and over again, you're gonna get pretty good at it. Yeah. I love it. I love journaling. Awesome. Um, so now I want to switch into like less, less personal because obviously we did a quick deep dive on trauma. I'm sure they'll come up again. Um, <laughs> but how do you think society has helped shape the attachment styles in like the modern day life? Talking about social media, the impact of seeing other people's relationships, just all of it. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's huge too. I think. Um... So I, I actually th I think social media is since since the early two thousands basically when when we started connecting online and obviously mm -hmm. the gradual progression and so then it, it pretty much it made the the dating market worldwide as opposed to like local, which mm -hmm. is huge because now there is competition amongst people all, all over the world for the same partners mm. and yeah. you know there's there's always going to be the, the 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 top 10 percent of people that are that everyone's going to be attracted to and now everyone has access to them mm -hmm. and that's a problem because yeah. that makes you less um that makes you less appreciative of the people that are local to you that could mm -hmm. also be amazing partners just maybe in different ways or in less exposable ways um that you probably need to take a, a little bit more time to learn and understand by you know connecting with them personally as opposed mm -hmm. to yeah you know? and so i think that that's a big issue now is that we're all everyone is chasing the same top 10 percent attractive people just because they can mm -hmm. and, yep not necessarily the people that can give them really a good relationship regardless that yeah. are local to them and this is it doesn't necessarily mean that the person that you are going to connect with is going to be like a difference between like florida and california it doesn't have to necessarily mm -hmm. have to be far away it can be like 
someone in the, the town nearby that you probably wouldn't have met if you didn't follow them on Instagram. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, not, it, 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 these things play, play a huge role in, in who we decide to you know end, end up with. Um, I also think that since um, I, the best, um, I think the best way to create an emotionally healthy family uh, and avoid that cycle cycle of codependency is to take time to understand who people are deep down as opposed to just superficially. And I, I think that. that that's become that has become way less likely and you see that way less nowadays you know people mm -hmm. just kind of stumble and fall into relationships and and start things without really understanding why how and and, and when yeah um, and i think that that has created a lot of emotionally unhealthy families yeah. definitely i could go on a whole i'm sure we both can can go on a whole rant about social media the pros and the cons but i do think in relationships it's caused a new layer to worry about that once never existed like yeah now always worrying what's my partner doing on their phone who are they talking to what's like now there's twitter there's instagram there's snapchat there's fucking tiktok there's everything and there's so much more to if you are an anxiously attached person to worry about oh yeah like, there's so much more to worry about and there's also the fear of if if i do something wrong are they going to go on instagram and go like everyone's pictures that may be like a very immature mindset but i'm sure a lot of people that are anxiously attached could easily have that and i know that a lot of people i'm sure use that that are in unhealthy relationships use that as a tool to maybe get under the skin of their partner i know i've had people well, in the past you, you may think it's silly you know but um what you have to break it down as to like what that means that means that mm -hmm. the person that is doing that to the anxiously attached person they're exercising their power mm -hmm. to have more options like yeah. you think it's just likes on an instagram post but you have to really understand what does that even mean it's just mm -hmm. ours. like, hey, I have all these options of all these people that I can date if you don't behave. And it's like, mm -hmm. that's, that's that becomes like a, a blackmailing power dynamic inside your own relationship. You know, that's that's not healthy. Yes. Yes. No, I I get it. And I've definitely been in that place, not on the on the receiving end of like, oh, I got it all. I could, you know, I get whoever I want and I'm choosing you. Like, you should be grateful. Like, ew, yeah. gross, whatever. <laughs> but it's still like just another thing that our parents didn't have to, didn't even have to worry about. They wouldn't even think about that. I guess maybe as they got older, obviously um, it was integrated into their lives, but it's just something that I don't think we've had enough time yet with to yeah. learn how to like maneuver through it. Like there's not enough time that we've spent analyzing relationships and social media because it hasn't been around long enough for us to be like, oh, this is how we should handle it yeah we could kind of guess and figure it out ourselves but it is like a tricky tricky path to you know the um i saw this statistic the other day that i don't know i don't know the exact number but i think it was way over like the 70 percent or 80 percent of divorces that have the word facebook or instagram written on their on the clause oh boy oh boy yeah. Shit. I, huge? i'm not surprised yeah i think it's also well, this goes into like a whole different ballgame of, you know, topics, but also I think people continue having anxious attachment even after breakups now because they might be seeing what their ex is posting. Like it's harder to to move on when you're allowing yourself to see it. I'm a big person of like, if we're done, like, sorry, but for my mental health, like 
I'm never seeing you on social media ever again. I will, I will mute and block you and all your friends, not out of spite, but out of like, this is safe for me. That that should be the healthy response as well. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't. So they have that lingering tie to someone because they, because it's accessible. You can see it. So, so why, why not just like click on their story a few times? Why not just scroll and see who liked their pictures and you could just go down a rabbit hole. So I think it also, is harder in breakups and moving on and starting healthier relationships. And again, because relationships are so much easier to obtain almost because you get dumped. What are you going to do? You're like, it's easy to go on hinge, to go on Tinder, to go on Bumble. Um, yeah. Like it's quick to like distract yourself and be like, Oh, I'm fine. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna meet someone else. And now you're hurting that person because you're not uh, I think that takes a lot of your responsibility away. It takes you, it takes away from you understanding your responsibility as into why you caused the breakup in the first place. It's mm-hmm. way like more likely that you, you're easier to blame someone else for all the problems and oh, yeah. accountability and taking responsibility are two humongous things into healing your, any type of emotional wounding, to be honest with you, um, because mm-hmm. Because you have to take you have to take responsibility for something that you didn't do, mm-hmm. which yes. is huge. And it's like if you're gonna if you're gonna take responsibility for something you didn't do, you better be good at taking responsibility for the things that you do do first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? definitely. Um, since we kind of talked about starting uh, new relationships, possibly, um, how or I guess what advice would you give to someone who's jumping back into the game, dating game, dating game, dating game? And uh, they just want to try to implement healthy tendencies, especially straying away from codependency. Um, what advice would you give to someone? Like, how do you go about that when you're starting a fresh new relationship? Um, <laughs> so that's actually the position that I've been in the past, uh, like, four or five months. Um, mm-hmm. And I, uh, to be granted, I haven't really been successful, but I haven't really done much either. I've been trying to, like, just run my business. I'm, I've, I haven't really date, like tried dating since then. Uh, mm-hmm. But when people come to me with that question, I think the best position that you can put yourself to be able to find someone that you're in line with is number one, know who you are. And uh, when people mm-hmm. say that, when people say know who you are, it's like, that's very vague, you know, um, like how the hell do I even find out who the hell I am? And again, mm-hmm. same exact question you have to, nobody really. So, so let me ask you this. How would you um, get to get to know somebody in the first like two or three dates or for one to two, three dates, one through three, you would ask basic questions like, where did you grow up? What did you do? What do you like? Mm-hmm. Get, get Make a list of all the questions that you would ask someone on the first or second date. Ask them to yourself. Do you want to have mm. kids? Do you not want to have kids? Do you want to live here? Do you not want to live here? Do you want to have pets? Do you not want to have pets? Do you want an apartment? Do you want a condo? You know, so it's, mm-hmm. it's really that understanding what you like better and why. That's getting to understand yourself. And now you know when the person asks you those questions, it's not like, oh, I don't care. It doesn't matter. It, they, whatever I'm good with. It's like, no, I have an, I have a, an option. I have a, a preference here. Mm-hmm. And the more preferences you have, the more direct you are. And the more direct you are, the more, yeah. um, the, the, the more you know how to where to hone in into the, the people that are going to be complementary to your life. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's step, that's step number one is knowing who you are. Step number two is um, having good communication skills. That's another no-brainer. Um, and that mm-hmm. goes hand in hand with number one. You can only say, you can only tell other people what you know about yourself. But it's also mm-hmm. giving, uh, being, having the ability to give them space to learn about them because that's what love is. Love is teaching other people yeah. how you like to be treated over time. 
Mm. And the more you're open to them teaching you to be, the more receptive you are to new information about them and actually let <clears throat> actually letting that imprint in your mind, the better I think you'll be able to behave in that relationship. Um, and mm -hmm. obviously that's the, I think step number three is just doing things that are in line with your values and your goals. If you know that, you know, you want to have um, kids, for example, don't date someone that doesn't want to have kids. It's like, mm. you know yeah. what I mean? Find people that actually want the same things that you want from a, like a logical, mm -hmm. just, we want the same thing level. Yeah. Yeah. I like those three steps. That was really good. How you broke it down and all the points were great. I loved how it's, it's giving space for someone to, to grow <laughs> and find themselves. I think giving space is one of the best gifts to give someone and one of the best ways to show up for your partner. And I know that that also helps kind of relieve a codependent relationship because you're not giving them answers. You're not telling them a direction. You're you're holding space to listen to them kind of tell you. And as they're telling you like their thought process, they're coming to the conclusion themselves. You're not telling them like, oh no, we have to do it this way or you need to do this. You're kind of sitting back asking them really like intriguing questions so that they ask themselves like, shit, I don't know. Let me sit and think about it. And just being able to hold space and giving people a second yeah, I think, I think it this, uh, to be authentic, right? And the, the more you, the more authenticity you can bring out of someone, the the better. Mm -hmm. um, and there's also, um, there's also a certain level of uh, self identity they have to have as well, because mm -hmm. if they don't know who they are, they won't be able to tell you. So that's less on your control; it's more on their control. And if they mm -hmm. don't have a good enough level of of you know being able to communicate who they are, I don't think the relationship mm -hmm. will work either. Yeah, it's um, way less of your fault and way more of them not have not being ready for it yeah that happens a lot by the way um mm -hmm. it's like one partner is usually ready and the other one isn't mm -hmm. yeah. yep <laughs> definitely um so the opposite side of codependency at least from my experience has been complete detachment because when when i went through a breakup a few years ago that's when I realized, oh shit, I've been in a codependent relationship. What have I been doing? Um, so then I learned detachment and how to have healthy detachment. But then I took healthy detachment and I turned it into an unhealthy detachment because I went again from zero to a hundred. And I was like, I'm not going to be attached to anyone. And it was almost like a little stone cold, like very much yeah. like, oh, boom. It was like chop. No, I'm not attached to you. I have no feelings nope don't care that's your life i have my life we're separate um which again i know not healthy it's okay i definitely worked on it and i definitely took it down a notch but what advice would you have for someone who who does completely detach like how do you how do you find that balance because yeah i know for me it was hard so i think that there's two types of people that um are going to be experiencing that that extreme detachment Number one mm -hmm. situation like yours where you're kind of like um, doing the polar opposite of what you were shown in the, in the past just to avoid mm -hmm. that pain. <clears throat> and yeah. I think for a person it's a lot easier because you know where both, you know, both ends of the spectrum are. You just have to integrate both of them, right? And so mm -hmm. it's just choosing where you're going to hold space for people, knowing how to choose those situations and being able to tune into yourself and understand, I don't think I have space. I don't think I have the, emo the emotional bandwidth to hold space for you right now. Um, mm. Just I think that would hurt me too much. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's knowing what situations are going to, what pains are worth feeling for someone else. 
um, and mm. that you can deal with? And where is your threshold for like this is too much pain? I can't hold, you know, I can't hold this this much suffering and within myself. This is something I have to cut off. Yeah, I think that's the first person. The second person is the people that are usually dismissive avoidant or fearful avoidant sometimes. Um, that they already have that detached um, nature within themselves, and that's basically because of core wounds. Uh, mm-hmm. Core wounds are basically the um, emotion, it's stored emotional associations with um, previous experiences. Um, the way your subconscious stores information is through imagery. It's not necessarily through words, it doesn't necessarily speak. It just thinks images and it, mm-hmm. it imprints that into your conscious mind. And uh, it, it may, it, it's a protective mechanism to make it survive because it thinks that if it uses past experiences to for present outcomes, there will be a greater likelihood of survival. Mm-hmm. And so if you have pain stored around those that, those images that you have in your subconscious mind, anything that reminds you of that information will not only cause the pain of the current time, but also of all the painful experiences that you've had associated with that image in the past as well. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's literally stepping on top of a, of a can of paint. It all mm-hmm. the pain comes out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I also like to make the analogy of like a muscle knot. Every time you move your shoulder, you you feel your the knot over here in your traps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even though the knot wasn't created now, it's been created through years and years and years of you with the wrong posture. Same exact thing. Mm-hmm. You know that's so that's pretty much what a core wound is. Just by you releasing those knots of core wounds in your subconscious mind and working through them through you know journaling and, and a lot of uh, subconscious work mm-hmm. that will relieve them and make you the the muscles of your subconscious mind work better more fluid and i think that you will naturally bring yourself into a place of more balance and uh, because you will be able to handle more emotional stress because now mm-hmm. you have all those knots stopping you from doing that yeah so what what would you do if you're in a in a relationship doesn't matter how long and you know that something they're doing is triggering a core wound but you're also not I don't want to say strong enough that's like totally the wrong word but you're just not capable in that moment of separating the two like you're feeling your core wound but you're also feeling very triggered by what your partner did how would you go about that in dealing with it yourself like what would you recommend um, I think so. The, depends. It also really depends on the core wound. If it's a core wound that yeah. activates you, as in it brings you, try to, it makes you want to get closer to the person, which would be more like an anxious core wound, as opposed mm-hmm. to one of the activation, which is the one that makes you run away. Um, but I think it's being able to detach your behaviors or your actions from your emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever you're able to mm-hmm. understand what you're feeling and not act on it is that's where true power is because that allows you to heal it allows both parties to heal while remaining in the relationship and and to be honest with you like anybody can date anybody there's no i don't think there's a right or wrong person there's probably a mm-hmm. right and wrong person right now because both of you are not in a point of complete um secure be the mm-hmm. understanding Mm-hmm. because you know you just don't have the uh, the ed skills required but anybody can date anybody it's literally like how much work are you willing to put to date that person yeah that, that, that's usually the answer and so i would say do the work especially when you don't feel like it mm-hmm. and uh. understand yourself and hold space to to know that hey this is probably going to feel pretty bad for a pretty long period of time but i'm putting faith that you and me can create something that eventually will both feel good and, mm. and we can both reach our goals within this this environment that we create for each other. Mm. I like that a lot. It 
it is putting in work and i think that that's something that scares people but it's yeah yeah people don't want to take accountability for uh for their emotions um mm -hmm. because it's scary and it's hard and because they look at this huge pile of dirt that they got to clean up it's like this is not worth it i'm just gonna go find someone else but what yeah. they don't understand is that the half of that pile is within themselves like you're taking half of that with the other person mm -hmm. we're making it work with them you know yeah yeah and i think it's more of like a willingness to even work like people can put in the work but it's having a mindset change i was listening to a podcast and they talked about viewing it as like how instead of like how much more work or what what different work can we do she always framed it with her partner as how can we be more curious and how can we make this more fun you make a relationship more fun when it's more loving more light more free and to get to that you have to do all of the maybe not so fun work the getting triggered and then working through it with your partner and it's also the aspect of curiosity how am i going to be curious with you how am i going to learn like i think being in a relationship is learning someone else and learning yourself and just choosing to be like hey we're little fun buddies during all of this fun you know lifetime however long we're here and let's just like figure it out together it doesn't have to be this heavy like relationships are work so many yeah. people see it as it's like daunting like well i don't want to put in work if you're not going to put in work in a relationship then think not all the time but a lot of times the main thing people are avoiding is putting work into themselves yeah because a relationship it's just highlights the shit you got to work on yeah that's true oh yeah and it's uh it, it just it happens to show you exactly what you don't want to see about yourself mm -hmm. and once you once you face that it's like not now I'll mm -hmm. do it for later. Yeah. I'll leave it for later. And mm -hmm. uh, you know, life is not margaritas on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. It wouldn't be that fun that way. <laughs> Maybe a balance. Maybe a balance. Yeah. Um, so what would you um I know that like obviously if we are in that situation where we're triggered, sometimes we need to self-soothe. What are some of your uh techniques for self-soothing that you use? um understand what creates positive emotions strong mm. enough to offset the negative emotions and mm. what actions you can do to create those emotions within yourself by yourself it's mm -hmm. things that you can't necessarily depend on other people to do so for mm -hmm. let's say for example i grew up watching harry potter i'm a 2000s kid i love harry potter mm -hmm. i like getting my bowl of popcorn warm popcorn i have sometimes i used to have a protein shake or sometimes i have some hot chocolate uh -huh. in my bed watch harry potter uh-huh watch the I same thing over again because <laughs> yeah. i know that watching harry potter with my popcorn and my hot chocolate is going to create enough of a positive emotion within me that literally no other negative emotion matters anymore at least for that moment yeah shit, i love that yeah. i love that it really doesn't have to be such a big big task like i know for me my comfort show don't drag me but um i'm a jersey girl jersey shore oh man <laughs> Jersey Shore is like, if I'm feeling any type of like hurt or set or just like tired and down, if I throw on Jersey Shore, I'm like, yeah, life is okay. It doesn't like, necessarily have, it doesn't good, need so. to be, it can be some time. You know what I've done in the past too? Mm. Drive around with the windows down and my music up. Mm, yeah. Like, yeah. That makes me feel good. And I, in that moment, I, you know, I create positive emotions within myself and it gives me time and space needed to process whatever I don't. You know what the, whatever is not making me feel good in the moment i love that because it creates a balance of of not 
diving too deep into the emotion. I know for a while, like I would feel an emotion and I was so scared to avoid it because I thought I would be suppressing it. So yeah. I would just like sit there and accidentally like torture myself with this feeling. I'm like, why am I feeling this? What am I going to do? I'm going to journal about it. I'm going to meditate with it. I'm going to cry, um, which sometimes is great because sometimes we have to have to face feelings, but sometimes you just need to like feel a little bit of happiness in yourself and just like vibe and watch Harry mm -hmm. Potter or Jersey Shore. That's what self-soothing is, is uh, being able to uh, create within yourself, by yourself, positive emotions. Yeah, I love it. Thank you for sharing all that. Oh, yeah. I really like that. Um, and then lastly, outside of relationships, how do you think people can, I guess, create a secure attachment feeling inside? Because that could come at least from like observation, jobs, or I don't know, friendships. But how would you, how would you go about that? It's, um, I think it's with the proper allocation of time and energy into seven areas of life. Uh, seven areas of life are I don't I don't think I have them memorized. I think it's spiritual, physical, financial, um, friendships, romantic relationships. I think I'm missing two. Uh, I don't exactly remember, but um, I, I I can I can look them up later on my on my journals and everything. Um, but having a proper balance between all of them and mm -hmm. allocating enough energy into all of them equally, or at least mm -hmm. in certain time periods, the one that require you more. Um, it's usually how you create a more holistic. Um, balance within your life and um, mm -hmm. you know, all having that balance is what outside of your operations inside your romantic relationship knowing who you are and having direction in all these seven is what I think that's that creates a very, mm. very secure base for for yourself yeah I like that I had like a when I fulfill all areas of my life in a day I'm like shit I feel on top of the world and I had a thought the other day of um a yoga instructor so I'm obviously like into like chakras and all that stuff and i was like i wonder because all of them do have like a meaning and like your root is your security your safety um but i was thinking i wonder if like a day of just i guess fueling the energy of each of them would create harmony in your in your life like if you gave your sacral chakra some some creativity some love and then your solar plexus some soul nourishing you know gifts that you could give your heart chakra giving love receiving love and then your throat singing yelling just breathing yeah. loudly like just really connecting to each of them throughout the day would that create an overall just really good day i think so I think that's something would. you see uh that, that system is something you see a lot in like there's a lot of systems that that rule applies it's your attachment styles as well. Uh, you can also apply the same principle to finance. It's like the more you diversify your income, the less mm -hmm. likely it is that you're going to go poor because there's more yeah. flows of money coming into your life, right? Yeah. Um, and same thing goes to emotions. But like the more you can, the more you can separate where your happiness comes from. And I hate that mm -hmm. word. I don't think some happiness is is a, a state. Um, yeah, but yeah. The more you can separate your positive emotions. The more, the less likely it is that the, 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 let's, put, put it, let's put it this way: the less legs in the same basket, the better. Yeah, yeah, you're so good. <laughs> I love this. Definitely gonna need another one. Another beautiful, interview. yeah, whenever. I I'm, love I'm learning about. so much shit right now, and I'm definitely gonna do a deep dive, a balanced deep dive on a, myself after this. And then the final question, which I love to ask, is if you're in a room full of the entire world, they're all present, they're all paying attention. They want to listen to you. 
what are you going to say to them? Tell the truth, especially mm. when you don't feel like it. Mm -hmm. Be authentic to the best of your ability. Do your best to never lie, not even white lies, not even to two-year-olds, not even mm -hmm. to one-year-olds. Always tell the truth to the best of your ability, to the level that they can comprehend the truth. Mm -hmm. And know yourself. Know what you want. Know a direction. Give yourself a direction because if the the, the less direction you have in your life, the more likely it is that you're going to get caught up in things that don't matter and things that are destructive. You, the more the less direction you have, the more probability that you do things that are destructive because you mm. open yourself up to those experiences more. You yes. know, if you don't, if you know what do, if you know what doesn't belong, you it's more likely you know what does belong. Mm -hmm. That was beautiful. I love it. Um, so where can people find you if they want to learn more about, I guess, your fitness stuff too? Guys, yeah. you missed the beginning, but he is a fitness coach, correct? Mm -hmm. As well, yeah. Fitness coach and also has the page on Secure Attachment. So where can people find you? Uh, at Secure Attachment on Instagram. At Secure Attachment underscore on Instagram. Um, that's where I talk mostly about the emotional side of things, the uh, emotional healing, Secure Attachment. Um, how to heal from, you know, whatever um, not secure attachment you have, insecure attachments you have. Um, and then for for training for fitness, if anybody wants to start, you know, on their fitness journey, I think that's a great place to start to create more balance in your seven areas of life as well. Um, oh, yeah. At NB Performance Training uh, on Instagram as well. Uh, and on TikTok at, at NB Performance if you like TikTok. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, I think, you know, I think this was very productive. I hope yeah. people enjoy it and if people at least learn something yeah. and feel free to always shoot me a dm i love talking about this whoever has any questions i'll, I'll always answer it i love it thank you so much i'm gonna end the recording and then i want to stay on and ask you a question after this but okay. yeah thank you everyone for thank listening you. and thank you. for watching if you're watching um see you next time Let's see how to end the recording because i can never figure it out um Maybe, maybe I'm just going to have to start a new one and ask. Oh, wait, no. Recording, stop recording.